Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for listening. As you've heard before, the first responsibility of leadership is to define reality. That is difficult at many different levels. Oftentimes, we shun this because we are concerned it will somehow indict us, our job performance, or our worth, and thereby impact our job security. So, we ignore the problem, or we address the symptoms without digging a bit deeper to address the root cause. Some problems are too important to ignore or pretend, and hunger at all ages is one of them. Make no mistake, it takes courage to define reality, and a bit of thick skin doesn't hurt either. We've discussed childhood hunger, 25% of the people that we serve in our Food Bank Council of Michigan network are children. We've discussed senior hunger, 19% of the people we serve are senior citizens. We've discussed every group, but one we haven't discussed, food security among college students. Talk about courage to be one of the first to entertain the possibility of food insecurity on your college campus. That isn't exactly a great recruiting statistic that you put in your college brochure, but to ignore the reality of the need is an unacceptable proposition as well. Today, our guest is President of Northern Michigan University, Dr. Fritz J. Erickson, the 15th President of NMU, and perhaps the first to tackle food security on his campus. I'm excited for this show and to discover how Dr. Erickson defined reality for his college community and tackled the problem of food security on his campus. Jerry Brisson and I are back with Dr. Fritz Erickson of Northern Michigan University in just a moment. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. We're back. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here. Uh, Jerry, that's the monologue. And we have a guest coming, Dr. Fritz Erickson, the president at Northern Michigan University. But before we get to him, I, I wanted to ask you, because I know that several of our food banks across the state are working in an area that most people wouldn't expect where food insecurity would exist in this place, it's college campuses. Yeah, and if we're going to solve the problem, so getting back to the premise for the show, 20 months later, changing the conversation about food security or food insecurity in Michigan and what it's going to take to do that. And the first question we have to ask is, well, who is hungry? And people have a lot of notions about who is hungry. They think about, hmm. you know, well, whoever they think about. Homeless right. people's a big one, even though that's about 6% of the people we serve. Right. But I bet very few people are thinking college students right. as who is hungry, besides the fact that teenagers and 20-year-olds are always hungry. Um, as a segment of the population, college students actually suffer from food insecurity at a pretty high rate. Yeah. And so if we're going to have a food secure community, we're going to have to figure out how do we reach college students. And of course, there's lots of reasons that a college student might be hungry besides the fact uh, that they may or may not be low income. 
They may not know how to manage a budget. They not not living at home. They may not have the basic life skills yet that you need just to manage something like, oh my gosh, I didn't save any money for groceries this month. I didn't. Right. I mean, I mean, I you know, I mean, you, you I learned that by trial and error in college. So did <laughs> and I. more I mean, error than <laughs> I, I was absolutely missing meals in college. There's no question about it. Now, you know, I I didn't think about it that way, but there were certainly days where I'd be like, all I have left in the cupboard is, you know, tasty bread, <laughs> if people remember tasty bread, and a, <laughs> and a package of bologna. I mean, you know, it's like, going to have to have that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a couple days, right? right. And so, of course, that's not very healthy, uh, which will leave most of my life habits out of this conversation. But <laughs> Let's uh, do. But, Let's do. <laughs> But nonetheless, I think if we're going to be serious about solving a problem, we have to know the answer to who is hungry. So so I think um, it's probably important to say that Wayne State University has a pantry. Michigan State University has a mm-hmm. pantry. Those are two that we know of for sure. We've talked to from time to time. We've talked to the students working in those pantries. We've talked to the administrators who help create the opportunity to have those pantries. And our food banks are providing food to those pantries. And from that experience, we've gotten to know significantly more about that population and have realized that students in college have a real need that, that we need to consider how to meet. Well, going to university is is not an inexpensive proposition. I don't care who you are. So it costs a lot of money to go and pursue your dream and a degree. And and I, I can remember being at a food at MSU, which we've had those folks on the show, Dr. Hendrick, Dr. Dwyer from MSUE, and Cheryl Kirschenbaum, who's the host of at Food at MSU, um, They've been on the, and I, re, I remember being at an event where several students from MSU stood up and said, this is a great conversation about food insecurity. Don't forget us. And I'm thinking, well, aren't you on a meal plan? You know, I mean, I think that's what most of us would think. Well, don't we have food? And But what you find out is that as you have a conversation with them, they're making trade-offs just like folks in the community are. I got to buy this book for this class, and so if I got to buy that book, that means I'm going to have to skimp someplace else, and that normally means the first trade-off is food. Well, or maybe you've just made a bad decision. I mean, you know, all of us in life from time to time make bad decisions, and as you're growing into adulthood and learning the cost of those bad decisions— you end up from time to time being food insecure. It's not hard to understand that happening. So what resources do you have to solve that problem? How do you know those resources are there? When you access those resources, do you feel embarrassed or do you feel okay about the fact that maybe you've made a mistake? And are the people involved in providing that food, whether it's through a pantry or through a meal plan or through some other way, are they aware of what your needs are so they can provide the right help at the right time in the right way? Organizing all that is part of having a food secure community. Right. It's sure. not just about pantries. It's about looking at all these systems that support people in their life so that we can do this in at the best cost and in the right way and thoroughly and and in a way that people know they can have access. Well, I, I want to make a point here that I tried to make in the monologue as well. And that is I'm really excited to talk to Dr. Erickson because 
being a guy in the UP, the president of Northern Michigan University, um, I like his straightforward conversation. He's pretty candid about what this is and what it's not. And, you know, I, I appreciate any leader who's really willing to define reality. Well, and um, again, when we talk about who's hungry, maybe college students we're not thinking about, but certainly not college students in the UP. I yeah. mean, that segment's probably now up, but there's 9,000 students at Northern Michigan University. Right. I mean, you know, that... So, I mean, yeah, I think that's a point. I mean, you guys are at, at your food bank that you're the president of, Gleaners. You're working with Wayne State, and and maybe that's a little easier to understand. I mean, I don't think we're thinking about college students first anyway, right, when we're right. talking about food insecure people. But maybe you might understand it in an urban setting a little quicker. But Northern Michigan University is... 180 degrees from an urban university. Right. You well, know? It, you know, I grew up in the UP, and we thought Marquette was urban. I, I mean, you know. <laughs> now, now, obviously, you know, living in the Detroit area for so long, I have a different idea of what urban could look like. But uh, from Barriga, Marquette seemed like a pretty big metropolis. The, the metropolis there. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Well, again, all right. Well, I think that even makes a greater point, and that's about perspective, right? Yeah. So um, I, I'm, I'm really excited about the conversation that we're going to have with Dr. Fritz Erickson. I like him. I respect him. I appreciate him and his team and how they have uh, looked at this. And they didn't ignore it. They didn't shrink away from it. They've, they've taken it head on. Well, let's talk to the good doctor. Dr. Fritz Erickson, you come back and be with us, and we promise we'll have Dr. Fritz Erickson, the president of Northern Michigan University, with us in the next segment. Come back and be with us. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Thanks for listening, everyone. Welcome back to Food for Thought. Jerry Brisson and me, Dr. Phil Knight, here in the studio. And uh, as promised, our guest today, Dr. Fritz Erickson, the president for the Northern Michigan University. And uh, Dr. Erickson, thank you for being our guest today on Food for Thought. Well, thanks for inviting me. It's just a delight to talk with you today. Well, it's a it's a it's a delight for us as well, and you know we'll go back to the beginning of the show here some 20 months ago where we said we really wanted to find a medium that we could um, engage people in the community, leaders across the state, because we want to change the conversation about food insecurity. And the main thing we want people, what we're all realizing is that this is a solvable problem. But the first responsibility in leadership, I guess, is to define reality. And I think that you guys have uh, approached a unique problem, maybe, that for a lot of us we didn't understand existed. And uh, we'd just love to hear how you and your leadership and your team and your student body have uh, come to this realization there at Northern Michigan University. Well, we have some pretty amazing students at Northern, and a group of students we're together talking about food insecurity and wondering how much, how pervasive is that amongst college students. And so uh, in February of 17, we sent out a campus-wide survey um, and had over a thousand students respond. And we found that nearly 40% of those uh, that completed had some level of food insecurity. 
And we also ask if we were to do a pantry of some kind to really ad- directly address this challenge, is there interest in doing that? And over 95% of, of the respondents said this is something we should do. And so it wow. became pretty clear that if you're going to, you know, want to address the problem, know what the problem is, and then be just open and upfront and direct about it. So I'll, I mean, I'm I'm amazed on a on a couple different levels here. One is, you know, one of the things we say makes this a solvable problem is enough people want to see it end. And your statistic that 95% of the students that were asked about would you want to see this problem end said yes. That's, That's right. Th- right off the bat, very affirming in one of our core beliefs about this is a solvable problem. So that's that's yeah. pretty interesting. But but the other part that's shocking is that the number of students who've missed meals is so high. It is. It is. And, you know, we had been doing a number of one-off things. For example, uh, leading up leading up before we started our food pantry, and we actually still continue to do this, we've had uh, uh, food bags uh, and emergency meals that our uh, NMU police department had access to. So if they came across the student that was, you know, having a food emergency, that they could respond directly to that uh, with food. Mm-hmm. And uh, as as we as we kept watching that, and more and more students having that, it became really clear we needed a structured uh, way to address the issue. So tell us a little bit about how the pantry actually runs. What does a student have to do to get access to the pantry? Just all you got to do is walk in. Um, we're 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 pretty direct with it. Um, when we, we opened up, we started um, by doing a campaign on campus to uh, uh, collect food and food donations. Uh, we, had, uh, we had our uh, insecurity, food insecurity committee formed, and we included a lot of different folks. Student government was instrumental in this. Our police services, the dean's office, dean of students, human resources, our foundation, multicultural center, everybody was involved, put on a real press um, to get donations. And we had just a wonderful expression from our community to uh, to support that pantry. And hmm. so, um, so we collected a lot. We started with uh, one day a week opening it up, and students just walks in. Uh, selects what they need and uh, and and uh, and walks out with it. Uh, we've since expanded that now to two times a week, which we do during our our you know normal fall and uh, winter semesters. Right. And then uh, since we have fewer students and and less demand in the summer, we just do it once a week. Okay. Well, uh, Dr. Exton, we'd like to extend this conversation with you if we could into another segment because you know in in reading about you you've served um and some and across uh the the spectrum here in higher education i mean coming from ferris state and um and then uh, other positions and so what i'd like to ask you and give you a chance to think about it on the other side of the break is um do you think this is a problem that is unique to Northern Michigan University, or is it something that is pervasive across many of the college campuses that, at least that you've served at, or 
that yeah. you know about. So if you'll hang on to that question, we'll be right back for your answer in just a moment. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. This is Dr. Fritz Erickson, the president for Northern Michigan University. We'll be right back in just a moment. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. We're back. Thanks for listening, everybody. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here with you in the studio and on our phone, um, Dr. Fritz Erickson, the president for Northern Michigan University. And Dr. Erickson, I'm looking at your bio and you have uh, served in some uh, obviously prestigious positions across uh, your career. And I'm just wondering, would you find that food insecurity among college students is um, is is unique just to Northern Michigan University, or would it be more pervasive than, than probably what any of us imagine? Uh, yeah, I think there's little doubt uh, how pervasive food insecurity on a college campus really is. And, uh, you know, the expenses of going to college and paying tuition and books and and all that goes into it, uh, you know, sadly, too many students, the last, the last thing they pay for is food. Hmm. And so this is something that I know is, has impacted students across the spectrum. And, you know, it's, it's um, unrealistic to think that it doesn't happen at every university. You know, I know that universities have spent a lot of time and effort really looking at student retention and making sure they can help kids graduate. And I know part of that is looking at how do we help them manage their housing and food costs. And there's meal plans of all kinds. And so how do you see this pantry weaving into the other efforts that are going on to really help students manage these issues, some of whom have never even had to have a budget before? Well, you're you're absolutely right. Some students, um, when they budget out their aid and so forth, don't quite do as good as we would hope they would. And so we see times of the of the academic year where food issues are greater than than at other times of the year, and it's 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 part of the learning process, I think, for for a lot of students uh, uh, that 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 head off to college. We try to do an integrated approach as much as we can. For example, you know, the food pantry is is very, very important to us, including how we link our food pantry with our dining services. And so our dining services have funded uh, well over 100 uh, meal passes for students that are hungry. Hmm. And they just, you know, the, they, they come to the pantry pantry and sometimes the pantry isn't the best place that they need a meal uh now and so we'll give them uh we'll give them a food pass and send them right over to the dining hall so it's it's really a combination and i and i mentioned what our police department does and being able to provide emergency uh, uh food for for students that are hungry so it's really Really, a broad university effort, and it makes and I, I sense. Think we're, I think we're making a dent, but there's always more work to do. Yeah, I mean, so when we've talked to police officers about food insecurity, we know anecdotally, anyway, that they will tell you that in many cases of domestic violence, 
they realize there's no food in the house. Now, of course, that's yeah. that's anecdotal. I don't have a, a a study that supports how often that's true. But I mean, to know that your police department is involved makes total sense to us who are, who have feet on the ground in this work mm-hmm. because we know people who have uh, lack of access to food are more inclined to those stresses that causes bad behavior. We've also known since the 1940s the link between education and food security. That when when students have enough food. Um, they're they're more likely to learn. So so I'm I'm eager to hear how the this comprehensive you brought together an awful lot of people from the university who feel like they have an interest in this. How that group is coming together and and what you think is happening internally in, at the college as a result of bringing those people together to address this issue. I think one of the things you find that certainly at Northern and at a lot of universities. Our commitment is to the success of students. Hmm. And we know that students can't be successful if they're hungry. Um, and we, we've, we've known that, as, as you said, since, since the 40s, we often think about those issues being only in the K-12 community, but they certainly do impact a number of students um, uh, within the higher education community. And so that's why... We believe that it really takes a concerted across the board effort to uh, to address this, and it's wonderful. You know, we well we'll hold uh, holiday gatherings for our faculty and staff. You know, the price of admission is some food that can go into the food pantry, hmm. or it is you'll have folks that. You know, we, we, we shut down a lot of our dining services and opportunities during holiday breaks. But in this kind of community, we have mechanisms for kids to stay with other people. To We have so many families in the community that host our students, so many uh, restaurants and other kinds of businesses that participate in helping feed our students in different kinds of ways. And... You know, the the whole idea for this is that it is a community effort. I love that. I You know, the parallels that you're talking about, Dr. Erickson, of the students at Northern Michigan University who are struggling with this, this idea of becoming food secure parallels so much the people that we serve in our network. And, mm-hmm. and one of the first areas that comes to my mind is um, when you talk about the trade-offs that people make, and the first thing that they trade is food. So yeah. do I have to, am I going to put gas in the car? Am I going to fix the flat tire? Or am I going to buy, in your case, or am I going to buy books? Or, you know, right. you've got to make some kind of a trade-off. But what I love about what you're talking about is that it's a community approach to solving the problem. And I have to say that to you and your leadership, I, I say this a lot on the show, the first responsibility of leadership is to define reality. And what I find sometimes is that people aren't willing to do that. But you guys have been willing to understand what reality is and face it head on. And so from my, from my standpoint, I say congratulations and thank you for you and your team and your entire campus community about how you're approaching this. Well, that, 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 that's very nice uh, of you to say. You know, we kind of have a saying around here that when in doubt, listen to the students. <laughs> and, uh, you know, our students are the ones that have really pressed this issue. And so it's been great fun for us 
to do this as a truly a collaborative effort. Well, it makes me want to be, I don't know, I don't, it makes me want to be a student at Northern Michigan University. I might be a little old for that, but I'm... Well, I'm, we, can, we, can, we can work out a deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're recruiting very well. I mean, it sounds like a community that anyone would well, want to be a part of, somebody that can come around and come alongside of people. Uh, I think it's just, it's a fantastic thing, and it's a great model for the rest of us. Uh, not just in the uh, upper levels of education, but also in the, here in the community to follow as well. Well, th- thank you very much. It's very kind of you to say. Jerry, I want to give you the last word here. Well, you know, I probably want the second to the last word because uh, I really do believe that this critical issue um, needs to be addressed in the way that you've described. You know, it takes the community, it takes an understanding, it takes sympathy. So tell us three people you'd like to thank as you've done this work. Well, I tell you, that, that, that's, that's actually pretty easy to do. First of all, I want to thank Connor Loftus, who's head of our student government, a student veteran, uh, ab- absolutely wonderful young man, and very passionate about helping other students. And so Connor and all of the students in in student government are the ones that I think that really made the big the big difference in all this. Two, I'd like to thank certainly all of our police officers because we have a very compassionate group that's there to really serve and and, and help students. And um, I'm I'm just always amazed at how how engaged they are and supportive and helpful they are and have really the best interests of our students at heart. And the last thing, you know, we're we're really blessed to live in a community like Marquette. This is a stunningly beautiful place, but that beauty really extends into the hearts of so many people that live here that are just willing, willing to open up, you know, their hearts and their pocketbooks and support our students in amazing ways. So... So I have categories of people as much as I have individuals. That's a great answer. Dr. Fritz Erickson, the president for Northern Michigan University, he's been our guest here on Food for Thought today. And Dr. Erickson, thank you so much for your leadership and uh, for your how you've built a team and how you've taken this problem head on and how you are solving it. Thank you so much. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight, presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here on WJR and Food for Thought. Thanks for being with us. Um, I have on the phone with me Nicole Edmonds, who is the director of the Michigan State University Food Pantry. And Nicole, help me make sure I'm saying that title right, and, uh, and, and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. So... The title of our of our food bank is just Michigan State University Student Food Bank. Okay, MSU Student Food Bank. Correct. Okay, so tell us about um, a little bit about we had we've talked to some folks about uh, college students and food insecurity, and you know it's probably not the first group that everybody thinks about when they think about people who are food insecure, but it seems to be much more of a challenge than probably any of us had thought previously. Absolutely. And it's definitely been 
a, a hidden population for um, people struggling with food insecurity. Um, with greater national attention these days, um, it's becoming a little bit more accepted. Mm-hmm. But but that was absolutely one of the challenges that the founders of the MSU Student Food Bank faced 25 years ago when this food bank started was sort of um, getting people to understand that this is actually a need and mm-hmm. that it isn't necessarily necessarily the case that if a student can afford to come to college, they can also afford everything else that they need to be academically successful. Right. Well, we talk a lot about third grade reading level by third grade, right? And that's a great predictor of graduation uh, rates, but it also ties back to pre-kindergarten and how people, how children have access to healthy, nutritious food. And what I keep hearing from everybody is that it's really no different for college students. Absolutely. And that's something that we've been working towards is sort of educating our student population what food insecurity actually means. We're finding that many of them think in some ways that it is, that it is simply that they don't know where their next meal is coming from, mm-hmm. and they're missing that sort of variety and nutritional piece. And when they realize that that's a piece of it, then they, it's sort of a revol- revolutionary um, thought, like, oh my gosh, I am experiencing this, and I could benefit from a resource like the Student Food Bank to help me be more successful in my academics. Right. So, I mean, it just all correlates for, you know, and then we talk to folks who own uh, factories and, and, uh, and, and businesses, and when, they're, when their employees aren't food secure, they're not nearly as effective and productive in, in their work, and it just stands to reason it would be the same for college students. Absolutely. So what you're sharing with us is, um, is, is a, a thought that I saw. I, I was at a food at MSU event, and there were a couple of MSU students that were in the audience that day. And when it got to the question and answer time, they stood up and, they, you know, they, they were very, very respectful for everybody in the room. I, I was very impressed with just the character and the quality and the articulation that those students had. But what their message was was simply, don't forget about us. Yes, we're able to afford to go to college, but that doesn't mean we're able to afford everything that it takes for us to be successful academically. And I think that's the group you're describing. Yes, and we're only seeing a rise in the numbers of that of those groups of students because of the the increase in non-traditional students that we're seeing mm-hmm. um, enter college. So by that I mean perhaps they did not come to college directly after high school, perhaps right. it's a second career choice for them. Uh, maybe they're supporting a family. Um, so that's why we're seeing more of a need for these non-traditional students. And at the same time, we're seeing rising housing and tuition costs and financial aid packages aren't keeping pace. Right. Wow. Yeah, that sounds all like frightening like the real world (laughs) all those trends are just the same and it's sometimes I I guess I think back to my college days and it was a bit of a bubble but it sounds like that bubble's not as safe and secure as it used to be sure and there's also this idea of sort of a rite of passage that certain students think about as far as oh well I'm in college and I'm supposed to be poor I'm supposed to live off ramen noodles I'm supposed to get as much done as possible with the least amount of resources and we're trying to combat those those thoughts 
Well, she's Nicole Edmonds. She's the director for the Michigan State University Student Food Bank. She's talking with us here on Food for Thought. And one one question I wanted to make sure and ask you, uh, Nicole, was, you know, sometimes people wait too long, really, to ask for help. And, you know, and it's because I think that in our culture, um, you know, we believe we got to pull everybody, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and and uh, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a bit of shame attached with to asking for help. But I know that all of our food banks and our pantries across the state, some three thousand of them, really try to provide this as a ha- as a hand up and to do that with dignity. Are Absolutely. are you finding some of those same issues with your student population? Yes, absolutely. So after some survey research, we're finding that intuitively, of course, many, many, many of our students, when they're thinking about making the decision to use a food bank, a resource like ours, um, there is a sense of shame or guilt Mm. and just perceived social stigma. And what we're trying to do is change that narrative. Mm. Um, And either that be making it so those students will feel more comfortable and changing some of our messaging to attract some of these students who might be at that tipping point mm-hmm. um, and making it known of how inviting and welcoming our resource is. Interestingly, we're finding that when new clients do come in and we're, we always ask them how they found out about the Student Food Bank, right? and the vast, vast majority of answer is from a friend or a peer, and so we're finding that perhaps that is a part of this perceived social stigma that students think about. But then when they hear about another student who has already used it, has already been here, has already seen what it's like and how it feels, then they're okay with it. And then some of that stigma goes away. Let me ask you one last question here. Can you kind of frame this up for us with a little bit of numbers. And I do really, I wrote down the phrase you just used, like changing the narrative, because the whole purpose of, the, of us doing the Food for Thought show here is to change the conversation about food insecurity across Michigan. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing is changing the narrative and, uh, and, and making it more acceptable. It's okay to ask for help and we've got some help that you need. Can you kind of frame that up for us in numbers about uh, the, the number of students that are coming to you and, and the people that you're serving? Sure. So our numbers tend to increase every year. At this point, the past two years, we're getting closer to 7,000 students and their families utilizing our service. In the 10 years prior to that, we were over 4,000 students and their families coming to use the Student Food Bank. Uh Um, And what we're doing is trying to raise awareness and get more and more students to that point where they aren't thinking maybe somebody else could use it more than I could when when thinking they could use it. Um, Another thing that we did see in some of our research is even though so many students felt a sense of social stigma when thinking about using the food bank, 90% of those same respondents thought that it was okay for other people to use a food bank. So (laughs) that's kind of the direction we're going. Let let me back you up. Let me rewind that just a little bit. Can you say those, how they felt and, and, and what they thought about other people using it? Can you say those numbers to me again? Sure. So with our, one of our recent surveys, we found that a a large amount of uh, respondents felt a a sense of perceived social stigma when thinking about using Mm -hmm. a student food bank or any food bank. Mm -hmm. But those same respondents 
uh, 90% of them were approved of other students using a food bank. Wow. Wow. It's, it's not okay for me, but it is okay for someone else to do it. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't think about, I wouldn't think bad about them using it, but I do feel a bit of shame about me using it. Exactly. Hey, well, Nicole Edmonds, thank you so much for how you're uh, serving there as the director for the Michigan State University Student Food Bank and uh, the numbers of people that you're uh, serving and for standing in the gap for them. Thank you for how you're doing it, and thank you for what you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I guess it's time for a little food for thought. Dr. Fritz Erickson, who you heard from earlier in the show, reminds me, We can't solve our problems with the same thinking that created them. Far be it for me to argue with Albert, but I do think there is a level of thinking and realization that must occur before we can begin to solve our challenges. That level is simply acknowledgement. Jerry often says, you can't solve a problem you don't think can be solved. Wise wisdom and solid philosophical underpinning make that statement, like Albert's, true. But first, we have to be willing to admit that there is a challenge, there is a problem, and from there we can determine if it's solvable and what the return on investment is to solve it. Albert and Jerry are both right, but it will take courageous leaders like Dr. Erickson and Nicole Edmonds who are willing to define reality in the first place that will launch us toward a solution. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Phil Knight, and you can find me on Twitter at DrPhil14, and you can find Jerry Brisson and all of our shows at foodsecuremichigan.org. Until next week, remember, it's food first, folks. Food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.